Welcome to Israel Bible Podcast. My name is Cindy Parker. I am an author, speaker, and professor of Holy Land Studies at the Israel Bible Center. I am passionate about reading the Bible in the physical, historical, and cultural context of its day. And I really love having geeky conversations with people about new things. In this podcast, I'd like to invite you to join me as I sit down each week with other faculty members of IBC to discover new aspects of the Bible. These are some of my favorite dialogues because as a modern audience reading an ancient text, we know that the Bible does not need to be rewritten, but it needs to be reread. Welcome back to the conversation I had with Professor Pinchas Shear. He is the Associate Professor of Ancient Cultures at Israel Bible Center. Last week, we started talking about Acts 15 and the conversation Jewish Christians were having about the Gentiles joining their community. If you missed last week's episode, go back and listen to it because it sets the stage for the complicated issues that are on the table. The conversation last week ended with Professor Shear saying, Taking on a deity that is not from your family, not from Uh, your people is actually a political and societal transformation that most people do not appreciate that those early followers who were not Jewish or were taking upon themselves, they were going through. These were very bold steps, very brave steps, really steps away from their culture. They had a lot to lose and what they were losing was huge. And what they were gaining is this place that wasn't so clearly defined within Israel. That's what Paul struggles a lot with. There's a lot of struggles of identity and confusion. Like, how do we fit into this picture? For for non-Jews, the struggle always, how do we fit into a picture of Israel, sort of conversion? So Paul was basically coaching the early Gentiles through this process. In the course, Jewish Apostle Paul, part two, Professor Shear focuses on what Paul is saying, the types of language and the imagery he uses. Professor Shear primarily focuses on the epistle to Rome and to Galatia. I start this week's conversation asking why Professor Shear used these two letters in particular for his course. Well, those two books are kind of pivotal. They're key. They're considered to be the most um, theologically important to people. So I always like to pick the books that people feel that are most meaty and are difficult to struggle through. And I think if we can sort of say, see that worked out through Romans and Galatians, then other books become less challenging, let's put it that way. So I pick the hard ones on purpose because they have so much uh, to deal with. Because you like a challenge. <laughs> I like a challenge. So it's, it's, I always begin with the hardest task possible. Uh, so, so, but the idea, of course, is to, if we can work through Romans and Galatians, we can see how Paul is doing this, then the pattern will be the same in other letters that he, that he writes. And so they're maybe a little bit less controversial and things like that. But there's also questions of identity. And the questions of Jews and Gentiles that come up a lot in Romans and Galatians, that's part of the reason why I chose them, because I really want those identity issues to come up and have a chance to work through them in the course, because I want people to understand how much people were struggling with these matters. And that's the reason why those letters were written, is because there were some, I believe, fundamental identity questions that people wrestled with. And Paul, as a 
good source, a spiritual father, as the master teacher comes alongside and finds the kinds of things that he needs to say that they need to hear. And curiously, Galatians and Romans need to hear very different things. Which, again, context matters and geography matters. These things are significant. So let's try to identify the audience of Galatia and the audience of Rome and maybe some of their preconceived ideas that set the stage for the context that Paul is writing into. So who is the audience for the Galatians? At this point, I encourage you to take out a map and identify where both of these places are. I'd love to spend time looking at the geographical features in both locations and the local history. Which narratives are ground down into the surrounding landscape? Alas, this is a conversation for another time. But I bet that if you see where they are located, you will already begin to notice that they will be very different communities with very different needs. But I interrupted. We were just about to talk about the Galatians. These are very interesting people. If you look, if you look where they're located uh, geographically, you know, kind of Asia Minor, kind of modern uh, Turkey, smack in the middle of it, they're a little bit more insulated. They're not as cosmopolitan, of course. Uh, they have a lot of local lore and myths that they're building on, essentially. And so when Paul makes it to them and, and the gospel becomes very real with, with them, they have to deal with these issues of identity. And frankly, they don't have a lot of exposure to Judaism. They don't have a lot of exposure to Jews. So they're struggling to figure out what is what a lot of times. So Paul gives them a bit of coaching because they apparently encounter this teaching that is very different from what Paul taught. He calls it another gospel. And so his entire letter is really against this another gospel, which they heard, by which they were confused. And so they were trying to figure out what they should do in their lives. Uh, and he, as their teacher, as their spiritual mentor, writes them this letter, sometimes stern, sometimes very motherly, and tries to speak some sense into them, you know, uh, but the issue that he's dealing with in their letter is that they have an affinity towards Jewish identity. They feel that the only way they can truly be who God wants them to be is to convert, to become Jews, to become circumcised. Circumcision equals conversion, essentially, in the ancient world. It's a bold step. It's a physical operation, per se, but it is very telling. I realize that a lot, in modern world, there's lots of people who are not Jews who are circumcised because it's such a medical practice that's common. But in that world, that wasn't the case. And so circumcision is a big deal. It's a huge deal, in fact. And so it is a very bold statement. So they want to become Israelites because they feel that would give them something that they otherwise do not have. And Paul is trying to dissuade them from that. He actually moves them in the opposite direction, which is that's the polemic that he takes. That's the side that he takes. In Romans, we have an entirely opposite situation. We have a very cosmopolitan society. And, and there we have animosity towards Jews, actually. We actually have antagonism towards Jews because what they know of Jews and what they hear of Jews is that Jews are problematic all the time. Jews have revolts. They rise up. 
You know, we come, we bring them civilization. We Romans give them everything. We give them structure. We give them roads. We give them protection. We build up their cities. We give them wonderful government and a nice orderly way to live. And these people keep rebelling against us. So, yeah, it's they have a very different view of Jews. In that case, the their view of Jews is being shaped by what's going on in and around Judea, Samaria, and Galilee with the first revolt and then the second revolt. That is shaping the Roman understanding of who Jews are. Is that right? Absolutely. That's shaping their understanding. And even the fact is that Rome sees itself as this great nation that is bringing something awesome to everyone around them, to all these small little people, essentially, right? And Jews are just that. They're just one of those small little people who got conquered. So their positioning, for position from which they uh, understand Jews is completely different. And they're not looking to get circumcised, by the way. They're not looking to become Jews. That is the <laughs> last thing on their mind, Okay. So, yes, Paul writes to them a letter, but he addresses a whole different issue of identity. In, in their case, their misunderstanding of connection or their connection with Israel that is in, absolutely inseparable is what he plays up. So what he says to Romans, look, you can't really go at this alone. They have nothing to stand on without Israel. It's like he paints this whole picture of the olive tree and you're grafted into it. And so that visually very clear to people that if I'm a branch hanging midair, how, what do I got? I got nothing. So <laughs> that is not the story he tells the Galatians because they have a very different problem. They are fine being plugged into the tree. In fact, they want to get circumcised and become Jews. And he says, no, 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 that's not what you need. You don't get it. So they have different problems. And this is what I mean when I open up my course and I say, you have to read those letters for the purpose for which they were written. Because if you miss that purpose, and you just read them in this homogenized, generic way, these are just the words of Paul, these are just theological truths, then they become flat, and you walk away not really understanding what the intent Paul had. And so context, in this case, frames everything he says in a completely different way. And so people say, how can you say this in Galatians and this in Romans? The statements seem to not agree. And the truth is, he deals with very different problems. That's why he says very different things to them. And people look at Paul and say, how can he have that kind of a theology where it's all completely situational? Well, he's not thinking that way. He's really dealing with issues of identity. He, each, each one of them needs to hear what they need to hear through Paul. And that's what makes these letters really deserve to be studied together, but then separate on their own. Together because they give us a harmony of bigger picture of Paul, and separate because each one of them really addresses completely different issues. So let's talk about, because I think uh, both Romans and Galatians deal with how to view the Torah and what faith is. So let's kind of, let's talk about those. And let's, let's start first with Romans. In this letter that Paul is writing to the Romans, since they have some of this built-in antagonism towards the Jews, they're not wanting to physically be like the Jews. But we have this massive issue of how to view the Torah. And so in the book of Romans, what is Paul saying that the role of Torah is? We have to keep in mind that Paul is writing to Romans. Uh, and in this case, when he addresses Romans, it's probably a mixed community a little bit over there. Uh, at the time of his writing, 
there are some Jews and some non-Jews. And that's by looking at the names and the people he addresses, we can clearly surmise that there's a little bit of a mixed crowd. But what we have to understand is the history behind this community. So the Roman community was, uh, the community of faith in Rome was started by Jews. And um, just like it does everywhere else, they start as small little study groups, essentially. They're, they're little home fellowships. When we say church, people think of something magnificent with steeples and bells and things like that. But we're really talking about home group type fellowship where people get together and discuss things that they have in common. And so these relationships that are born. So that is how Jews always do it, but there's a little bit of a familiar kinship, but then that circle can be enlarged to other people. So that's what happened in Rome. And Jews were the ones who brought the gospel message to Rome, obviously, and they had a number of disciples over there. They were successful, uh, but then something happened. All the Jews were expelled from Rome. Now, this is not the first time it has happened. This is when I see that Romans in general have a complicated relationship with Jews. Because in, all Jews were expelled in, from Rome in the year 139 BCE. All Jews were expelled from Rome in the year 19 CE. And now we have this era of Claudius, who once again expels Jews. Now, Claudius, uh, at this time, he is in Rome like 40s and into the 50s. He goes into the 50s. So somewhere mid-40s, I don't know exactly, he expels the Jews again out of Rome. Now, what's with all these expulsions? expulsions of Jews, like why does he kick them out of Rome? What did they do? Well, the answer is, actually, it's all there in the history books. Uh, you could see the original quotes why Jews were expelled, usually for being successful in proselytizing some important Romans, per se. So when Jews convince some Romans to adopt their ways, that's when the government says, okay, we had enough. And not just some Romans, I mean, notable Romans. We're talking about the aristocratic families. That's when they say, okay, we had enough with you people, out. We can't have you creating your faith on our turf. So essentially, they, these expulsions come in waves from time to time. So we have a, a community form, a community of believers, followers of Jesus form in Rome, and then the Jews are kicked out. So who's left? The only people who are left would be non-Jews. And that goes on for quite a few years. I think it took like 15 years or so uh, for Jews to come back to Rome. And just for the sake of fun Bible trivia, the famous couple Priscilla and Aquila, they were Jews who were kicked out of Rome by the emperor Claudius. This is why they meet Paul in Corinth and later go with him to Ephesus and ultimately back to Rome. It's so nice to be able to connect all the dots, right? So what would happen if you planted a church and then you left it be for 15 years? Will you come back and actually recognize anything you left behind? And I think that's what happened uh, in community in Rome. So some attitudes that were very positive towards Jews, obviously, when Jews were there, were developed along the way into something unhealthy. Uh, and now, now that the Jews are allowed back in Rome, they're trying to work their way back into the community, and they're getting a pushback. 
And so that dynamic plays into the context of Paul's letter. He, if you notice how he opens, how he begins, he talks about unity. He talks about getting along. He talks about being one in Messiah, all these different things. He wants to bring people together. He wants to stop the fighting, the animosity that, that exists. So there clearly is a conflict. There's clearly some sort of a tension that goes on. He's trying to resolve it. And the way Paul tries to resolve it is by appealing to common ideas. Like, for example, he starts talking about how we're all sinners. And he talks about how Jews are sinners and how Gentiles are sinners. Sinners in their own way. And this is where the Torah comes in. Okay. So the Torah comes in as a side issue to point us that, hey, we're all sinners. Whether we're sinners with Torah or we're sinners without Torah, we're all sinners and we all need God. The point is not the Torah and our relationship to it. The point is for us to realize where we stand with God and the fact that we're not that different, whether you're a Jew or a Roman. In the end, we're humans. So that's what Paul drives to. So there's all these kind of issues that work in and people make a big deal about them but they're actually peripheral issues to the big issue that he's trying to deal with. And so he uses all sorts of things in his arsenal and including, uh, you know, talking about Jews, not keeping Torah and not being faithful and the true Jew, the non-Jew and like all these rhetoric stuff that he uses is really to create an understanding in the community. So I do think that he writes primarily to non-Jews who are there, uh, but uh, still there, is it is an epistle to Romans about Israel, okay? It, it, Jews are involved because they're there and they're not going anywhere, by the way, so you might as well figure out how to live together. And that's what really kind of how I see this, this letter to unfold. So the issues of Torah and Torah observance, that's how they make their way in uh, to Paul's argument. And so the idea of faith comes in. He likes to talk about faith. And a lot of times for Paul, faith is not just faith. Sometimes it's faith in Messiah, particularly. Like we like to talk about faith like belief, as in recognition of a truth or something like that. But a lot of times when he uses the term faith, sometimes it's just a shorthand for faith in Messiah. He just doesn't say the whole thing. And we're supposed to understand it. So but then he's not thinking about people reading thousands of years later. So <laughs> This is why people do so many dissertations based on Paul. <laughs> exactly. There's so many opinions. It's, it's hard to understand. It's hard. But I think the keys uh, that lie to sort of say that, that give us, that open the doors to greater understanding is context. So the more we understand about the history and the social situation in Rome, when that happened, all of a sudden we get the feeling what was really going on on the ground how did these people feel about each other so um, jews being expelled from rome and then being let let back in that changes the whole dynamic that that really changes it so the letter of romans is kind of like let's let's get along let's find a way to live in peace and a lot of time what what paul does explaining is explaining how israel fits in with romans because romans is as believers, they, they know they believe in Christ. They know what has happened in their lives. So there's no doubt in their mind they are where they are. But they have come to think that somehow they can be all that without Israel being in the picture. And this is where Paul takes in the task. Because the core of his letter is that chapter you know, 9, 10, 11. I think that's his main punchline. Uh, a lot of people think it's an addendum. I actually think that's the core. Everything else is a 
preface. <laughs> so to me, this is where he says, look, you can't, you, you're connected, and this is how you're connected, and Israel is not going anywhere. There's promises of God. He talks about covenants. He talks about faithfulness. He talks about this big picture. Again, Paul is an apocalyptic Jew. He looks at things through the prophets, and what he sees is he sees that harmony of worshiping together in the books of the prophets, and in his mind, this has begun. This has already started, and Romans are the first fruits of those uh, from the nations who would come alongside of Israel and worship uh, the true God of Israel, so to say, in this kind of unity. So, uh, yeah, these are very difficult issues, but um, and he kind of comes round about them in, in this way. It's interesting to think about the Book of Romans, the context of Rome, and the people in Rome. There's such a separation between people groups. And so what Paul is doing is he's showing by necessity that they need to be together, that they are already connected. Keep your eyes open for next week's episode when I conclude this particular conversation with Pinchas Shir. This course and many others like it are part of the Israel Bible Center's Certificate Program in Jewish Context and Culture. If you click on the link in the notes at the bottom of this episode, it will only take you three minutes to enroll in the program. Thank you to Jeremy McDonald with Mason Jar Music for mixing, editing, and crafting all the good sounds you hear. And thank you for being curious about the world of the Bible. <laughs>